Are you curious about that one supplement that I take every single day? In fact, multiple times a day? Head on over to Organifi.com forward slash Varga, use promo code Varga to save 20% off of your next order. Why I love Organifi is they are glyphosate-free, non-GMO, superfoods, and adaptogenic fruit juice blends. Superfoods are really important for your everyday metabolic processes, and adaptogens are really key to help you overcome stress in stressful situations. Stress is a sign of being alive, ladies and gentlemen. Let's just make sure we have adaptogens on board so we can cruise through that stress, overcome those obstacles with greater grace and ease. Enjoy today's episode on the School of Radiance podcast, and you're going to love Organifi. Hey everyone, welcome to the Rachel Varga podcast. You may be watching the video or catching the audio. Today I have a very special guest with us. I have with us Dr. Kira Barr, and she has her training in dermatology with a focus in mind-body medicine and the connection between all of that, which I think is just really, really beautiful. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Kira Barr. Oh, thank you for having me. Yes, this, this recording has been a long time coming and I feel very, very blessed to have Dr. Kira Barr join us today. And we're gonna be talking about some pretty cool things today. What I really wanted to ask you about, um, Dr. Barr, was cracking the beauty code. Everyone always wants to know what are some of the best skin treatment tips, lifestyle hacks, biohacking hacks, and, and all of that. but. Cracking the beauty code from a dermatological perspective and then a holistic beauty, mind, body, energy perspective is, is quite a bit different. So can you just give us an overview of what that cracking of the beauty code looks like in your practice? Yeah. So, um, you know, when I was traditionally trained, cracking the beauty code would have just been looking at your skin, seeing what was there diagnosing it and then giving you a laundry list of products. <laughs> um, but, you know, from my own experience of having skin cancer and having my own health fall apart, I know that we have to go below the surface. There's a lot more to beauty than what we see on the surface. It's really that inner beauty and the connection to it that gets overlooked. We oftentimes just try and mask it with um, the topical things that we can do. So, you know, cracking the beauty code really means turning inward. And now we're at a time where we're stuck inside. <laughs> you know, if this is, um, we're being literal about it, we're stuck inside. So it's an opportunity to truly go inside and um, deal with all the things like lifestyle and, and um, you know, all the, I guess, mind, body, spirit yes. approaches. It is a little bit of a wake up call for a lot of us. And so this is kind of interesting. I actually pulled my Instagram audience. Uh, if you don't follow me on Instagram, you should at Rachel Varga official. If you don't follow me yet on Instagram, you definitely should share this episode with your friends. You can tag me at Rachel Varga official and Dr. Kira Barr at DR Kira Barr with two R's. And so I pulled my audience and 75% of people still wanted to learn about skin and 25 only 
25% only wanted to learn about health. And I was like, what? You're going to have healthy skin if you're healthy. So I feel like people kind of have their priorities a little bit, you know, misaligned right now. So what would be sort of your take on that? I think, you know, it's all one and the same. So when we think about our skin, it truly is the outward reflection of our inner well-being. So, you know, if they want to treat their skin, there's no way to get around taking care of your health. So what shows up on your skin um, really is an invitation. Like if you're breaking out acne or your psoriasis is flaring or your eczema is flaring, it's really an invitation to take a deeper look into what's happening in your body. So we know that food can be um, a factor, the medications that you use, environmental stressors like air pollution and, and ultraviolet rays, um, and stress. Like right now, we are in crisis. And for people who don't have their tool bag full of good tools to help manage that stress, it can really play out in what is happening with their skin. And sleep, sleep is huge. Yes. So just a moment ago there, you talked about the fact that you had skin cancer and Dr. Kirabar and I, we actually have pretty well the same skin type. We're called Fitzpatrick skin type two, where we don't actually have a lot of melanin in our skin. So we don't have a lot of innate protection from UVA, UVB, or even blue light damage now, which we're finding actually reaches deeper than the UVA and UVB rays. So I just did an interview with Dr. Anthony Yoon. He's otherwise known as America's holistic plastic surgeon. And he's like, if your feet hit the floor, you better put on your skincare and your sunscreen. And so precancerous lesions, they can kind of pop up and, you know, red flaky areas that you just have to, you know, go in all the time and get burned off with liquid nitrogen. So whatever we can do to prevent those unnecessary visits to your physician by just looking after your skin and your health is so key. So that's something that can pop up on your skin that's going to be a discrepancy or irregularity that we might, we might want to take care of. But there are ways to prevent that. So what was your experience with skin cancer? Yeah, um, to your point, like most people might think, you know, you're a brunette, you should be able to tan. But like you said, I have very fair skin. My dad's a redhead, so I was never intended to tan. Um, and it goes back to my childhood. I was born with two birthmarks on my face. And as a um, young school-age child, I was made fun of for them. And so um, instead of kind of brushing it off, you know, <laughs> which I can do now, but at that time I took it to heart and was really um, felt ashamed and embarrassed by what was on my skin. And I learned really quickly that if I got a tan, uh, it would hide those spots. But of course I fried first and then got that sunburn and then I would gradually tan. But because I was so uncomfortable in my skin as a young person, I didn't care. And so I just repeated that cycle of burning and tanning for my young adulthood, uh, my young childhood through young adulthood. Um, and all that cumulative sun damage culminated in hundreds of moles or nevi uh, that began growing and changing color and shape. And then there was that one particular spot on my arm that became so atypical um, that in fact, it, I had a, as a dermatologist slash dermatopathologist who can study the skin on the surface as well as microscopically, I had to make that diagnosis myself and show it to my colleagues, which was devastating um, because the focus of my practice had been skin cancer and melanoma. So here I am, a skin cancer expert, having to 
um, be, <laughs> you know, like it's your, it's your worst nightmare come true. Uh, but thankfully I, because I did check my skin on a regular basis and did know what to look for. I caught it early, which is why I'm so passionate about people. You know, my call to action is always get naked, right? We can have a little fun with it, but literally you have to strip off your clothes and learn how to examine your own skin because you know your skin better than anyone else and you can save your own life. Well, why don't you share with us some of the ways that we can examine our own skin because exactly as you just mentioned, if there are moles that are changing on our bodies, say something just started to like kind of itch a little bit or flake or bleed, or you've noticed that that mole has changed color or it's gotten bigger, what are some of your sort of personal at-home skin assessment tips? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, it's really important. There's two types of skin cancer that we talk about, melanoma, which is the most deadly, and non-melanoma skin cancer, which is the most common. Um, you know, I'm in the United States, and I don't think most people appreciate in the States that skin cancer is the most prevalent cancer in our country. There are more new cases of skin cancer diagnosed each year than breast, prostate, lung, all of it. So, and it can actually feed into those other skin cancer, other types of physical bodily cancers as well. Um, what do you mean by that? It can Sometimes if, if, for example, a skin cancer develops, say, around the eye area and it's allowed to fester, mm -hmm. I have actually um, had cases where that skin cancer actually, those, those cells, they, they traveled and they oh, created absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Skin cancer, um, non-melanoma skin cancer can metastasize um, and melanoma most absolutely can. Um, it is not as common with the non-melanoma skin cancers. There's two types that are most prevalent, basal cell carcinoma and squamous cell carcinoma. Squamous cell carcinoma is the one that will be more likely to metastasize than basal cell, um, but they both can, and I've seen it. Um, so your point is a very good one, that just because it's on the surface doesn't mean it's innocuous, right? We can treat them fairly readily with various different modalities, including surgery um, and such, but the the goal is really to prevent them from happening in the first place, right? And to your point, a precursor to skin cancer called an actinic keratosis, which is that red flaky spot that just, you know, you scrape it off, but it keeps coming back. That's a precursor to the type of skin cancer called squamous cell carcinoma. So if you've got a, a flaking, you know, red irritated spot and it keeps coming back over and over again, a spot that isn't healing, um, chronically itchy, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's skin cancer, but it's certainly a spot that you want to bring to the attention of a skincare professional. And in our country, at least, um, most healthcare practitioners, they, doctors, they don't get much training in dermatology. So they're not always as familiar with what they're looking at. So I do highly encourage going to a board certified dermatologist to, who can really check you over head to toe. Um, and there's these great um, body photography scanning systems that as soon yeah. as all this blows over, that's one of the first things that I'm going to be doing is getting my whole body scanned with this really cool photography equipment. Yeah. So I went old school, like, because I have so many moles, I had to stand totally naked and they took pictures of every part of my body. And I now have a stack of photos that I bring to my dermatologist and she'll compare, but there are apps um, where you can track your own moles. Um, and again, these full body uh, photography 
machines essentially, and then they're stored in a computer and they can be um, looked at. But for those, you know, when you're at home, there's so much you can do on your own for your own skin. And so I always encourage people to check their skin once a month again. I always say, get naked, have fun with it. Like, you know, either before you, you know, bef the perfect time is before you're getting in the shower, um, you're already naked, right? So the, the goal is to really look at yourself from top to bottom, head to toe, um, front side, back side, bottoms of your feet and your hands in between your toes. Ladies, you get a hand mirror and you check out your intimate bits, front and back, it's all skin. Skin cancer doesn't discriminate. Whether, whatever color your skin is, if male or female, it doesn't matter. Skin cancer doesn't care. It can affect anybody. So you really need to check your skin. And so for the non-melanoma skin cancers, you're really looking for something that's um, like squamous cell carcinoma. It's usually uh, red and scaly, a sore that's not healing, kind of a pearly pipe. Like you think it's a zit, but it's just not going away for months and months and months. Um, bring that to your doctor. And then with melanoma, the one that we're really most concerned about because it does spread more readily, um, we're talking about moles, right? So pigmented lesions that are typically variations of shades of brown, although they can be pink, they can be somewhat colorless. We call them, um, well, permelanoma and amelanotic melanoma. But it's a spot that, you know, we always talk about the ABCDs and E's, the ABCDEs, um, something that's asymmetric. If you were to cut it down the middle, it doesn't look the same on both sides. Something you want to have a nice, sharp, crisp, clear border. So if it has little jagged edges or little like, little like legs extending off of it, take note of that. And C is for color, something that is ideally uniformly colored throughout. So if it's starting to change color or it has multiple colors, take note of that, bring that one to your doctor. D is for diameter, and that's a soft call. We talk about it being smaller than a pencil eraser, but I've seen melanomas that are pinpoint. Um, so, you know, it, it really, the size, unfortunately, is, is not as useful as a sign. But E is probably the most important. A lot of us have moles, um, and if you check your skin every month, you can tell if it is evolving. You're looking for change. And that's why checking your skin consistently is so, so vital. Thank you so much for sharing those at-home yeah. assessment tips for everybody listening. Yeah. You gotta get in tune with your body, in tune and intuitive. If you just feel like something might be a little bit off, you should pay attention to that. Yeah, for sure. What is your number one skin tip? Yeah, so I think um, there's a lot, but number one, I think, is what we just talked about, you know, checking, taking notice of what is happening with your own skin. That is where you're going to get the best bang for your buck. Like if you are, um, like I said, if you're breaking out or if your psoriasis is flaring, it's really when you look at your skin, it's an invitation to ask yourself some questions of like, how am I living? What is happening in my world right now? Am I really nourishing myself on every level? Who am I spending my time with? How am I sleeping? How am I eating? So 
the biggest skin tip is actually literally just to look at it and see what it can tell you. Your skin isn't trying to sabotage you. It's sending you messages constantly. And the goal is to hear it when it's just a whisper rather than shouting, which is why I actually named my book The Skin Whisperer, um, because I wasn't paying attention. So just taking notice of what's happening on your skin will be the best. Um... <laughs> is it this, this one? <laughs> Um, will be, I think, you know, the best way to um, investment of your time and your efforts. Yeah. And when I work with patients one-on-one or through a virtual consultation that I offer to people all over the world, a lot of times people say, oh, someone told me I have rosacea and, you know, I've been using this prescription cream, but then I start to go through what they've been doing to their skin. Are they cleansing morning and night? Are they moisturizing morning and night? Are they wearing mineral-based sunscreen? Are they exfoliating? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times when we start to pay attention to these different skin issues like diffuse redness and irritation, right. usually it's, it's a good idea to meet with an expert you know, like us to help them figure out, okay, maybe I should add this into my routine or maybe I should do that. What's your experience with that? When people start to have that manifestation of diffuse redness and irritation. Yeah. So I think one of the biggest things that really is being born out in the literature um, is looking at your gut health. So it's so interesting. Um, back in the 1930s, there were two dermatologists, Dr. Stokes and Pillsbury, who really did bring the gut brain skin connection to light. But not everyone believed in it. So it was swept under the rug for decades. Even and I, right I, now, I, we have uh, my husband and I, he has an uncle in Pasadena. He owns like 150 medical offices. And I'm talking to him about gut health for skin. He's like, wow, oh, that's garbage. That's not substantiated. And here we go. This has been studied since the 30s. So yeah, <laughs> I know. And, it's, and that's the hard part. You know, it's like, it's... Um, because there wasn't the data to support it, which we're now, you know, more and more studies are being done to help bore that out. But I think that's one of the best places to look. I mean, you got to eat, right? Um, so evaluating what you're eating, how you're eating, what nutrients can best support your skin health. We know that there are certain um, vitamins, minerals, and uh, nutrients that when they are lacking, they will show specific findings on your skin. So it stands to reason that nutrition will play a big role in your overall skin health um, and your gut health. But certainly rosacea, there's definitely some more compelling evidence recently of um, the connection between the microbiome and um, skin health. And it's not just the gut microbiome, it's also our skin microbiome. Our skin microbiome, our nasal microbiome, our oral microbiome, our reproductive micro—it's like every everything has a microbiome, right? That's so true. Yeah. And on the on the skin, what's you know really interesting is that um, your microbiome is incredibly diverse based on where in your body. So the the microbiome in your I'm like my arm is my hand is in my pit um, in your armpits or like you know your mucosal surfaces is going to be different. Um, then, you know, more oily areas of your body and drier. So, so the skin is incredibly, is incredibly diverse, which is really kind of cool and can be a little bit frustrating at times too. <laughs> 
So one thing I found that's been really interesting is I've been in the game for nearly 10 years, over 18,000 pr procedures, and I've undergone board certification in aesthetic nursing. I go to conferences probably, you know, once or twice a month. Well, not right now because we're on lockdown. But one thing that hasn't come up, and I'm curious if you notice this in your traditional medical school training as a dermatologist, if there was any information on the tie between leaky gut and leaky skin, which you and I, we are heavily involved with other very forward thinking, holistic health practitioners. Did you get a lot of that exposure in your training or did you come to find that a little bit after meeting with other holistic providers like I have? Yeah, I think, you know, it, it's interesting because I think the terminology leaky gut and leaky skin is really quite new. Um, that being said, the fact that inflammation is the underpinning of the majority of um, skin conditions, that has been well known and that certainly was well taught, but kind of bringing it full circle and this concept of really making the connections um, and the discovery of, or I guess, the discovery of the microbiome, it's, it's been a long time coming, but kind of making it mainstream. Yeah, that's definitely something that has come to light since I finished my training over 15 years ago. Um, so I'm dating myself. I'm a lot older. <laughs> but <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's, it's fascinating because I am um, part of um, a growing um, group of dermatologists who are very interested in hol a holistic approach, Integrative Derm Symposium is a conference that's been held the last couple of years. And it's really exciting that more and more people are really interested in it. And it, the pendulum is definitely swinging so that we can offer our patients a much more comprehensive approach to their skin health and their overall well-being. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about interviewing other very forward thinking holistic providers like yourself and being on YouTube and podcasts and sharing all this cool research that's coming out is to be a resource for everybody listening. Um, because a lot of the stuff, the yes, quote unquote, it's mainstream, but it's mainstream for people that choose to go down that road. So mm -hmm. a lot of times, you know, I'm sure you've experienced this too, when people have had acne in their teens it can sometimes be a bit of a blessing in disguise and help them figure out their different food triggers. Have you noticed that too? Yeah. And it's really interesting. You know, you'd like to think the textbooks say, Oh, acne is done by the age of 25. Well, that is a big, um, myth. <laughs> and, um, a lot of women, especially, uh, as their hormones are shifting, Acne can affect you at any stage of life. And so even if you didn't learn as a teen, you know, what your triggers were, there's certainly more ripe opportunities um, if you're experiencing acne too. And it's really fascinating that, you know, people will be like, well, I've been eating this forever. It, it, it doesn't really bother me. But when the biggest triggers being dairy, gluten, and sugar, um, those are like the biggest game changers for people. And they're just like, oh surprise, God, surprise. Those yeah. are also the biggest triggers for inflammation. I'm in it's my totally. mid thirties. Don't be fooled. I mean, I still have to follow my acne skincare protocol. Yeah. So it's just, it's really exciting in many ways. It, you know, it can be, I guess, frustrating to a certain degree that you have to make the shifts, but how empowering that you as the individual can make that choice right? Like you have the power. It's not like you're waiting. You don't always need a prescription. It's like, 
food is medicine. You know, your lifestyle is medicine, self-care, self-love, it's medicine. Totally. And you have that power to prescribe it for yourself just based on what you choose to eat or don't eat. And that's amazing. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, is that not a lot of medical doctors have the time to really dive into this with their patients. And I, know, I happen to know personally a lot that wish that they had that time. So yes, make sure you're seeing your dermatologist when you have a skin issue pop up, but really the onus is on you to look after yourself. So one thing I really want to ask you, Dr. Kira Barr, is why? Why, you know, should it be okay for us to invest in our health or spend money on rejuvenation procedures or invest in the skincare routine that's been curated just for us? That why piece, I'd really like you to expand on that. Yeah. So I get asked all the time, you know, what products people should use, what serum, what supplement. I mean, there's a new fad, there's a new trend coming out every single day and you could go broke trying every single one. And I think the issue is we are in a instant gratification culture. Um, and it's not like I'm saying I'm any different. Like we all are looking for the easy button right in this tables commercial, but I've got good news and bad news. Like there is no quick fix. And so when people ask me what to do, that's my question to them is like, what is your why? Why is this important to you? You know, why do you want to spend this money? And what I have found is that most people are focusing on the external um, blemishes. And I'm not talking acne and psoriasis or, or eczema, kind of the inflammation where, you know, it can be physically uncomfortable. Um, your skin is itchy. It's, it's interrupting your sleep. I'm talking more of the aesthetic stuff. Um, when you get really clear on why you're doing, is it from a place of self-love? Do you, do you think that it'll make you feel even better? You feel so amazing and you're going to feel even better if you do X, Y, and Z, or especially for women where there's so much pressure in society, like, will you only feel beautiful if you do X, Y, and Z? And it's that fine distinction and that nuance that I really work with people to help uncover that because no matter how much money you spend, you will never get the return on investment you're looking for if you don't know your why. Or do the inner work. Or do the inner for sure. Oh gosh. Yeah. I have people come to me and, and I can tell that they're not really at a place in their life where they're very happy with themselves. And mm -hmm. you know, they, they maybe are just really busy and they have kids, they're a really busy working mother. And, you know, it's okay for people to take the time to want to look after themselves. And Absolutely. we should look after ourselves, body, mind, spirit, energy. I'm a firm believer with that. But sometimes people don't feel like worthy. Mm -hmm. That's a big thing. You know, we talk about being especially, you know, a busy working mom who has young children and doesn't feel like they can take the time that it's selfish. It is self-indulgent. But that old adage of putting on your own oxygen mask first before you can help anyone else is so vital. Otherwise you're going to be burned out. You're going to be resentful and you're never going to feel that, um, that worthiness, that confidence, that self-esteem that is your birthright. Like you are already that worthy. 
but to appreciate it for yourself. It's really important to take those moments, you know, whether it's just stopping to pause and just to breathe or whether it's getting a facial or a procedure, but doing it from a place of like, I'm doing this for me because I know I'm worth it versus I'm doing this because my husband thinks or my wife or my significant other thinks that I need to look a certain way. You'll never, it, it won't give you the return you want if that's, if that's where you're coming from. So we need to kind of strip all that away. That's why I take people through my process, like skinny dipping is what I call it. You got to strip away all the I love layers. the name of your program. Thank you. Um, and I only know this because I've had to, do, I'm still doing it. Okay. If I'm full transparency, like I've stripped off a lot of layers but there's a lot more to go and we're all in this together. And sometimes you need somebody else to help you shine that light um, and support you and say, you know what? You a hundred percent are worth it. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. You and are. that you're beautiful. I had a patient. As you are. Yeah. I had a beautiful patient. I would actually say that she's my most beautiful, vibrant patient. You guys have heard me mention this in my ebook and my course unlocking your vitality where i kind of step by step take people through what my most vibrant patients are doing she's literally like my muse for my whole program she's dialed in with her diet her exercise her body mind spirit energy practices which you know we don't have time to get into that today and i just told her i'm like you are so incredibly beautiful and she's like she started crying because a lot of times women, for some reason, we're not sharing the fact that, oh my gosh, you look so beautiful. You're stunning. Like, look at that feature. You look at your gorgeous lips, right? Your skin's glowing. Your hair just looks stunning. Your eyes are so bright. And it's, I don't understand why it can be such a shock to, you know, tell someone that I just think it's just a total knockout in her 60s. Mm -hmm. Total babe. And she just broke down because I, I feel like she does it. She almost didn't believe it. But she told me after, she's like, are you just saying that? Do you say that to everybody? No, I do definitely do not say that to everybody. And yeah. what would be your kind of reaction? What's your reaction to that story I just shared of that woman not necessarily believing that compliment and feeling worthy to accept it? Um, unfortunately, I it's too familiar and it's heartbreaking. I mean, the statistics are staggering. I'm sure you're really familiar with them too, that like 96% of women don't feel beautiful. That's insane. And, totally men, crazy. and, and men aren't actually that far behind. There was a study where like only 8% of men thought they were handsome. So it's, men aren't immune to this either. And there's so much shame and there's so much guilt and there's, so many negative emotions about this extra, like who we are, because in school or um, in society, it's like we're just admonished for for showing up as who we are. Like if you have, if you show emotion, oh, you're too sensitive. Like we're being told, like everything we do is there's something wrong with it, rather than embracing our idiosyncrasies and like who who we truly are. Um, and I think it's all about permission, right? I mean, this woman who is, I don't doubt that she's stunning inside and out, but it's that permission of allowing yourself to believe, right? We're born 100% lovable. We are born 100% worthy. 
but it's giving yourself permission to actually believe that. Mm-hmm. And I know before we started recording, we were just sort of sharing some stories that we've observed in our practice working with both men and women. And you shared something really interesting about a gentleman that you're serving who's in his, what was he, in his 50s, 60s? Mm -hmm. In his 50s, yeah. Yeah, so so tell me a little bit about some of the things that men actually experience. Yeah, so um, when it comes to aesthetics, you know, the men's market is actually has, has exploded um, over the last several years. And my most famous, you know, clients are men from all over the world. It's really, <laughs> it's men. It's true. Yeah. yeah. And in some ways, that's a beautiful thing that there's pride in appearance and they want to look good. And again, that comes back to my why um, that women are not the only ones who are suffering from low self-confidence and low self-esteem, right? So when, when we look towards the outside, what can you do? What can you use? When, when, especially this one individual I asked, um, he was looking for what procedures that he could do to enhance his under eye. And, you know, he takes really good care of him. Sounds a lot like your patient. Like he eats well, he exercises, he's really mindful. Um, but when it came to, um, his why for wanting to have some of these procedures. He was a little bit embarrassed about it, which was already heartbreaking. Um, But it turns out, you know, divorced and wants to get back on the dating scene. And he didn't feel attractive. He didn't feel worthy of love. And he thought that by doing the external procedure that it would make him feel more worthy. I'm like, you know, it's like you just want to... um, that's where, you know, love, it's all about love. Love is medicine and being able to shine the light and really kind of uncover, like I said, strip away the layers and get to where that belief came from so that we can explore it, right? And then kind of manage our own brains to rebuild that neural network and still may want the procedure, but coming out from a place of self-love and confidence and doing it because I feel so good that I want to do this, not I'm feeling terrible and I feel I need to do it Mm -hmm. so that I feel a certain way, which you'll never feel that way, by the way, which is why the beauty industry, I mean, $500 billion. It's crazy. So much money. And there's a lot of great products. Again, I am not poo-pooing aesthetic procedures or products they have their place, but it's, it goes hand in hand. There's a lot of good products, but there's also a lot of garbage out there. Well, that is, that is very true. (laughs) I can't believe how many laser procedures and in-clinic procedures out there that I've gotten my hands on and I've demoed. I'm like, you can't be very accurate or, you know, pay attention to detail in the delicate area around the eye or they're too painful or they don't deliver the results for the price tag. So that's why working with, um, you know, providers like Dr. Kira Barr and myself, we could really kind of help you navigate that stuff because mm-hmm. no, you don't want to be going with, with what's shiny and trendy and what the celebrities are doing because chances are those celebs are probably paid to talk about that particular thing or have even some type of affiliation with that clinic that they have that procedure from. That's actually something that I've heard through the grapevine when celebrities have, you know, gone on social media 
and posted photos of themselves getting treatment. So it's really tricky for the you know, people out there to figure out, okay, what's actually backed by science, what's just shiny and, and all of that. So right. when I talk about radiance, there are a few things that I really see as key factors as to what really allows people to be radiant and have that, that glow and that presence that, you know, when they enter the room, people are like, whoa, they're special. They're different. So I have my own take on that. I'm just curious how you would define radiance and sort of what it takes to get it. Yeah, I think we've touched on a lot of it. I think um, that belief in yourself, in your, you know, your own lovability and worthiness and self-confidence. I think confidence is like the sexiest outfit you can ever wear (laughs) and, and, and kind of that belief in yourself. So I think um, how you see yourself is definitely one of the key ingredients. And the other is truly like when someone is really glowing, they're so aligned, like they're taking care of themselves both internally and externally. We've touched on nutrition. Sleep is another big one, but also their emotional well-being, um, because if you don't feel good about yourself, that becomes the compass from which you navigate all the decisions in your life. So I think your emotional well-being is probably like the foundation of that. Yeah, I would definitely agree with you. And I'll take it a step further that, you know, being grounded, centered, balanced, and aligned with your body, mind, spirit, and energy practices, I really feel like that's where true radiance comes from. It's like this internal mechanism that we can't rejuvenate or give a pill for, but it's almost like when all those different wheels and gears are aligned, I really feel like radiance is kind of a side effect of that. Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, in this day and age where there's so much abundance of products and tech and all the things, I think it's this, it's really giving, again, it's all about permission, like to do less, right? My skincare regimen, I mean, I have access to tons of things. And like, I use three products, like it's a three step. Me like, too. Simple. <laughs> I mean, simple is it the less yep. you have to do, the less you permit setting really clear boundaries. Like it just frees up your time and your energy. Um, yeah. So washing your face, I, I make my own antioxidant serum, um, moisturizer with sunscreen and topical retinoids. Like my skin is really dry right now because I, I restarted my topical retinoid, but I don't tolerate it very well. So yeah. you're going through uh, that good old retinoid reaction phase. Totally. Again, <laughs> which is why I always wind up stopping it. I mean, I'm like probably the least compliant um, dermatologist <laughs> with that, even though it is like the, the holy grail, like my chairman um, in residency, he did some of the pioneering research and it really, I mean, he used it forever. He had no wrinkles. It was, it's amazing, but it can, for those of us who have more sensitive skin, um, it can cause a, <laughs> a little dermatitis. But you know, what's really weird when people have no wrinkles. Yeah. Yeah. 
you got to be a little suspect. You want a few wrinkles, especially around your eyes. Yeah, some smile lines. You earn some smile lines. lines. Those <laughs> laughter lines. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Honestly, I have to say it's really weird when you see a man or woman in their 60s, 70s, 80s, and they don't have a wrinkle on them, right? Because mm-hmm. maybe they've overdone it with procedures. And, and maybe they just use the rental a little bit too aggressively. <laughs> Well, they've probably done that, a few pills, a little nip-tuck here, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's good to have some character. But what I'm getting at is you don't have to look perfect. You don't have to look Instagram worthy. You don't look like, have to look like you came out of the page of a magazine to have this radiance. In fact, developing radiance, what I'm discovering just with working with so many holistic um, you know, healers, health angels, I like to call them right now, health angels uh to get radiant is is actually free but it's what takes the most amount of time it's so true it is quote-unquote simple but it's not easy and there's no quick fix but it is definitely worth the investment in yourself and the time to do it yeah but I mean, using some really good medical grade skincare along the way, there's no harm in that, especially. No harm in that. <laughs> protects your skin against precancerous lesions and skin cancers. But, you know, make sure you're using a physical based sunscreen, not a chemical based sunscreen, because those mess with your hormones. And, you know, you don't have to have this. It was so funny. I was watching uh, Schitt's Creek the other day. And, you know, the, the young guy, I can't remember his name offhand, but he was like, his partner said, Oh, you're, you're, you know, your skin's, your skin's glowing, right? He's like, Oh, it's just my 365 step routine. <laughs> it's really, really funny. But the thing is, when we start to, you know, layer this on and that on, number one, you're exposing your, your skin to so many different things. Some of them are probably not that great for you or even toxic. Or there could even be some, be some interactions with the different formulas you're putting on your skin. So simple. Mm-hmm. Yes, I am in agreement with you that that simple is often better. Yeah, for sure. All right. So Dr. Kirabar, I would love for you to share where people can find you because you've been all over the media. You've been pretty much on everything everywhere. And so it's just been an absolute pleasure to have you on the Rachel Parker podcast today. So yeah, where can people find you and hang out with you? Yeah. Um, well, thank you. I don't feel like I've been everywhere. <laughs> um, so on my website, they can find me at Dr. Kira Barr. Um, there's uh, my book, you know, it's uh, The Skin Whisperer. It's my own journey, um, which is how I know that it's painful, right? Like I've been there. I'm there. Like I'm not, um, I only share this because I know what it's like, Um for things to kind of fall apart and you have to build them back up again. And um, yeah, on Instagram at Dr. Kirabar, although I'm not as active, although you're an inspiration, so I might start to spend a little more time. (laughs) Yeah, we've been collaborating with a few of uh, the same groups. We all kind of tag each other and are sharing each other right now, you know, really in an effort to share some light in this time where it's a bit shadowy, but you know, hey, we're in spring equinox right now. I mean, obviously saying that I'm dating this episode, but it's very much um, uh, a rebalancing of, you know, the dark and the light. We're having that equal amount of darkness in daytime right now. But, you know, through all this that we're going through on lockdown quarantine, there's some shadow, but there's a lot of really great people out there like yourself who are helping to share a little bit of light with people in this time. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure. Yeah.
So if you haven't already, go ahead and share this episode with a friend or family member that you think could benefit from the message. Go ahead and take myself at Rachel Varga Official and at Dr. Kira Barr on Instagram or Facebook. And if you haven't gotten your hands on my little free cheat sheet for rejuvenation and skin, you can get that over at rachelvarga.ca. I'm here for you. I'm here to help you along your journey of bringing your greatest version forward for many years to come. Thanks so much for joining us, Dr. Kirabar. My pleasure. We will see you guys in the next episode.